Thank you, Marcy and Larry. And they're going to be, uh, Larry's going to be preaching at a couple of different churches over the next couple of weeks. So he'll be here on Wednesday nights. And uh, we, uh, we have to, uh, I guess we have to go along with that. Amen. <laughs> this morning, I would like to open up to the first chapter of John and talk about the question that Jesus asked, what do you want? And uh, verses uh, from John chapter 30, John 1, beginning with verse 35. And I'll have the verses up on the screen, or you can read along in your Bible, uh, whatever uh, way that you'd like to do that. But let's, uh, let's look at John chapter 1, uh, be beginning with verse 35. It says, the next day, John, John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, tr when translated, is Peter. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning, and that is our prayer, more of you. And it leads right into uh, this message and what... Uh, you have given uh, for this hour and so help us to help us to receive we ask your holy spirit to open our hearts and to receive your word to receive what we're reading and and seeing and and we just ask lord that you would that you would bless and that you would uh, just uh, just come upon us we pray in jesus name amen the palestinian son beat down on John the Baptist as he was teaching at the River Jordan. We always picture him there because that's where all of the, every time we read about him, that's where he is, baptizing people, giving a message of, of repentance. And, uh, and uh, his disciples or those that were sitting around him and learning about him. Uh, they listened to John and they, as he encouraged the crowds and, and, uh, uh, that came to know God. And for the past few weeks, this had been going on here. And they'd followed John everywhere that he went, listened to his message, watched the crowd's reaction. And at first, they were sure that John was the one. He was the one that, uh, that God was pointing to to be the Messiah, to be the teacher, because of the words and the boldness that, and the ways that, 
that uh, John the Baptist, uh, he would be the one to deliver Israel from, from the Romans. And this guy even looked like a prophet. And as he wore uh, camel hair uh, clothes and ate wild honey, this is, uh, uh, that, you know, camel hair's got to be itchy. <laughs> Especially in, in the desert heat. I mean, this is, whew, this, you know, I'm, I'm thankful he was in the water a lot, probably, you know, he, with this camel hair coat on and a beard that was long and, and uh, uh, the eyes with a zealous rage uh, that probably he, that he spoke with. But as he preached and went on, he said things like, I'm not the Christ. And he said things like, after me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. So they're wondering, who would it be? Who, who's it going to be here? This is the, the opening chapter of John. And, but who could be more powerful than John the Baptist? And then today, a day that really had nothing special about it, as it we, says that the two disciples or two of the disciples were listening to what John had said, uh, Jesus walks past them on the, uh, probably on the riverside there, and, and John stops and and, uh, and he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world." He was the one, and John pointed him out. He's the one. See, see him. He just walked past. That's the one right there. He's the one that you've been waiting for, the one who is going to change the world. The Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And they were so stunned that they, that they turned and they, and they followed him. And, you know, he didn't look so special. This is John the Baptist. But Jesus didn't look so special. As a matter of fact, John looked more like the Messiah than this man did. And, but they didn't say anything. They, they just followed. They, and uh, back then... Uh, uh, they, the schooling was not in a, they didn't have colleges and universities. So you either followed a rabbi or a teacher and you went where that teacher went and you learned from that teacher, that rabbi, and then you were usually traveling around because there was no buildings with the, with the, with the university or college sign on it, and that's how you learned. And you went with that person and you, you stayed with them. So these men were with John who was baptizing at the river. And then John says, look, there's the one. He's the one who's the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world. So these two, these two, they just turned and they followed. Well, we're going to follow him. He's the one that John had been saying is greater than him. So that's the one we're going to follow. They didn't say anything. They just follow, wondering what they should do next, wondering what they should say, how they're going to approach him. They're just walking behind him. And then it happened. He turned around and he saw them following and asked them point blank, what do you want? Jesus did that. He did that kind of thing. You remember in John chapter 5, there was a man who had laid... 38 years by the pool of Bethesda and these people believed that in that pool 
an angel would stir the waters and the first one in the water would be healed. This man laid there 38 years waiting, but there was nobody to help him get in the water to get healed. And so he was kind of a hopeless situation. Then Jesus shows up. And what's the first thing that Jesus says to the man? Do you want to get well? And I can just imagine this guy looking up and say, well, duh. Yes, I do. But there's nobody. He starts giving him excuses. There's nobody to help me. And so he says, here, grab my hand and, and rise up and walk. Fold up your mat and take it with you. You know, so Jesus asked people point blank. What, these two here, what do you want? What, what do you want? And this is the same question that's timeless. This is a question that's timeless for us. The question that Jesus Christ still asks everyone who seeks, who wants to follow after him. What do you want? What are you after? Let's be specific here. And it's a good question. Because he wanted to know what these two men wanted, why they were following him, what they were looking for. And, we, and you notice he didn't ask, who do you want, right? They ask, what do you want? And every one of us, and when we think about this, every one of us is striving for something as we plod through this life. Day after day, year after year, week after week, month after month. There's something that we're looking for. And for each one of us, it may be something different. It may be something different. You're all looking to, uh, for the one thing that scratches where you itch, so to speak. You know, there's something in your life. You know, there, there are people that seek security. Let's, let's, let's look at this for a second. People that seek after security. You know what I'm talking about. A house, a job, a family. And when their life approaches that day and year and age, a pension. Right? And there's nothing wrong with seeking security, but I think that's kind of a basic goal. That's a basic goal. Other people are looking towards their career. They're looking toward power position, prestige, and they pour their soul into their job or into their work. And if it's directed to, to, to good things, it could be a high aim. But often or too often, there's a high price for that. There's a high price for that, even in our, our, our job. And, and I've been uh, guilty of that, uh, sacrificing family time. Or, or just the enjoyment in life. And sometimes, uh, sometimes God. We sacrifice our time with God because other things become more important, we think. Right? And then when it all comes down to it, we always look back and say, boy, I wish I would have done that different. And of course, all of that is limited by time and our health. Right? And the thing that most of us are seeking is peace with God. Peace with God, with our maker. What is this all there is in life? And I need peace with God to make sure that, that I'm not screwing this up somehow. 
And when we find that, then we, he directs our aim and points us in the right direction, right? So if Jesus was to come up and tap you on the shoulder and ask, him, ask you, point blank, what are you after from me? What do you want? What would be your answer this morning? Maybe it's time you thought about what you want from him. Let's look at some verses. The first one I want to look at is Matthew chapter 16, 9 and 10. Jesus says, do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets full you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets full you gathered? Some people were looking for stuff, right? Some people were just looking for stuff. And I wonder how long it was after Jesus fed the multitudes that some people only came for the food. You know, they weren't worried. They put their, their faith and their trust in him. And this seemed to be a problem because Jesus addressed it in John chapter 6. And then he started saying some hard things for them to understand and all the people, the 5,000 with the, with the loaves that were, were multiplied, they all turned around and walked away. The end of that story is they all left. And they weren't happy. They were happy when, when they ate, but they weren't happy when, when it came down to brass tacks and Jesus says, to be my disciple, you need to do this. Well, oh, I don't want that. And the goodbye. And uh, so here we are. They're in the countryside. They had followed Jesus, and the day went on. Jesus took time to preach, and then he took time to, to heal people. And, and the, the hours went by, and the time was going pretty fast. And then, and then it was getting later in the day. They're out in the middle of the country here, and there's no, uh, no McDonald's or Burger King to go to, right? So they, the disciples asked Jesus, it's getting late. There's a lot of people. What should we do? Should we just tell them to go? Let's, we're gonna, let's dismiss them. Let's dismiss them, Lord, so they can get back to their homes and before it gets too dark and they can feed themselves. Well, Jesus says, you feed them. Well, how am I going to do that? What do you got? That's another question from Jesus. What do you got? And so Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fish and then news starts to travel. And so we forget about the fact that Jesus fed the 5,000 men plus women and children and then there's another time jesus fed four thousand men plus women and children twice twice that miracle took place so that's not all that's not all that people were looking for mark chapter 3 verse 10 he had healed many people that day so all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him some were looking for healing now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. The reason that six people, the sick people eagerly pushed forward to get to Jesus was because Jesus was healing sick people. And if you were one of the sick people and Jesus was doing, you don't want to be caught way back here when he says, okay, I'm done today. You want to be in on that healing, right? So, so they're, pushing, they're pushing forward. But for some people, that's all Jesus is, is a healer. 
And when they're sick or their children or their family members are sick, they remember that Jesus heals the sick. And so they begin to pray. They haven't prayed yet. They wait till they're sick or something happens. Then they begin to pray and then they call. They want to be on the prayer chain. And it kind of reminds me of the story of the two old guys that were, that were talking the day after a hurricane went through. And the first one says, oh, there was quite a storm last night. And the second guy says, uh, yep, uh, God probably heard a lot of unfamiliar voices last night, too. And it's unfortunate that some people only talk to Jesus when there's a storm going on. There's something bad happening in their lives. And I believe that Jesus healed people 2,000 years ago, and I believe he still heals people. Amen? But he's so much more than a healer. And that's what I want to get to this morning. He's so much more than that. Or could be so much more than that to us. He didn't come just to heal our bodies. He came to heal our souls. And to make us right. And I sometimes wonder how God must feel uh, when we never have time for him until we need a favor done. And Jesus came to bridge the gap between us and God and to allow us to enter into a relationship with the king of the universe, the master of all things. And there are those who treat that relationship like a giant vending machine. You put your prayers in and you pull the handle and out comes a blessing. And uh, you think of all the people that Jesus... Healed in the Gospels, we don't see very often where somebody that was healed comes back and says, thank you, or that followed him, uh, especially in the book of Acts. Luke, Luke is the writer for the book of Acts, and he gets very specific when he talks about people, and uh, uh, he never mentions this is the blind man whom Jesus gave sight to, or this is the crippled man whose legs were healed. It's just names. So we, we the, the description, not everyone who comes to Jesus is looking to become wealthy or, or healthy. And we, we go on and Matt, uh, see Mark chapter 10 reads this way. When you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on the left. Some were looking for power. Some were looking for power. Now, Jesus had a discussion with his disciples. So he's talking to the 12 disciples here one day, and he's talking about the fact that they're going to arrest him and they're going to beat him. They're going to crucify him. He's going to die. And he's going to, but he'll rise again the third day. All that's going to happen. And then immediately, John and James, and I think one of the Gospels tells us that their mother got in on the discussion. They wanted dibs on who's going to sit on his right side and who's going to sit on his left when he came into power. Where had their minds been on vacation here? Aren't you listening to what I'm saying? Jesus is asking them. Then you just hear what I said. All of this is going to happen. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, when you, get, when you come to power, can we be your vice presidents? Uh, you're not listening to what I'm saying. 
They were not necessarily knowing what type of Messiah that he had come to be. Now, the, they obviously pictured him overthrowing the Romans and, and uh, establishing an earthly kingdom. And he was saying one thing, but they were hearing another. Has that ever happened in your home? You don't need to shake your head or don't point any fingers. You know, we're saying the same thing, but we're not, we're, it's, you know, it's, it's not happening here. And he must have felt like one of my favorites, uh, uh, Foghorn Leghorn. Uh, he says, uh, where Foghorn Leghorn said, I keep pitching them and you keep missing them. You got to keep your eye on the ball, son. And that's us sometimes. We're not catching on to what, what Jesus is saying. And for many people, they come to Christ or they come to Jesus because that's the political thing to do. Well, if I just went to that church, I could meet some people in that church that will help my job, that might help my position, uh, because there's, there's more influential people sitting in the pews uh, in that church. And if I rub shoulders with them, well, that'll, that'll be better for me. That's the wrong reason. That's the wrong reason. And that has nothing to do with coming to Christ. That has everything to do with your ambition. Luke 10, 25. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Or what must I do in the, in the King James? Some are looking for eternal life. And... They're looking for what salvation offers. He was testing Jesus. That's what the verse says. And there are a lot of people out there who are taking Jesus Christ as nothing more or less than a fire escape from hell. A get out of hell free card. Now Jesus didn't come just to save you from hell. There are many people who, who come to Christ as hostages under the threat of hell. And there's no joy in that kind of a Christian life. There's no, no relationship there. I got my ticket punched and I'm ready to go. Well, I'm not living a relationship with God that he wants me to live. We're given the, the promise of eternal life through, through forgiveness because of our repentance. But I'm living my life always feeling threatened but Jesus came to restore us. Jesus came to redeem us, to buy us back. Jesus came to put us in a relationship with him and his heavenly father. And there's more to Christianity than a hell to be shunned and a heaven to be gained. There is a life to be lived, a God to be worshipped, a Christ to be served, a joy to be expressed, and a world to be changed. Because he said to the, to the, to the apostles in Acts chapter 1, go, go. And then you'll find and, and preach the word and, and, and make believers, right? Baptize, make believers, do these things. So what do you want? 
eternal life. Okay, that's fair. That's okay, but there's so much more than that. There's more to it than that. And then finally, uh, you get six points because there's no message tonight, okay? So I'm going I'm to hit you with all of them today. John chapter 21, after the resurrection, Jesus is on the seashore. And after breakfast, Je Jesus asks Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. Peter replied, you know I love you. Then, then feed my lambs, Jesus tells him. Some were looking to love Jesus. And Jesus was making sure here in this instance that Peter's motives were pure. And if you're in this for the money, if you're doing this for the money, then there's a good chance that you're going to die broke. There's not very many amens out there, but I'll, uh, I'm going to tell you amen. You know, because there's not a lot of money to be made. If you're in this for the healing, then it's, that's only going to be temporary, right? And if you're here for power and position, don't be surprised if you're humbled instead. And if eternal life is your only goal, fear can keep you from being so faithful. Or you can only be faithful for so long because fear may take over without God and a relationship with him. And when it comes right down to it, the only answer, the only answer to the question, what do you want, can only be, Jesus, I want to love you and serve you. No more and no less. And it's when we come and enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ as our Savior then we offer him our lives. We offer him our ambitions. And uh, the person who comes to Christ and get their, gets their addictions under control, the liar and the thief who come to Christ, they become honest people, people who can be trusted. The employee who becomes a person of integrity and provides his employer with all that he's paid for and more. And then there's tangible benefits to being a changed person. Our lives are changed. The people who come to Christ are not the same person afterwards that they were before they accepted him. You're a new creation in Christ, a new creature in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us. And I'm here to tell you that that's true. I'm here to say that that's true. And that was the same for me and, and my heart and, and my thinking and my way of life. And here's the promise, 1 John 4, 9 and 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So what do you want? And as Larry and Marcy stood up here a little bit ago, more of you. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. More of you. 
And in order to receive more of him, I have to give more of myself to him. I need to turn it over to him. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you this morning. We give you praise for all that you're doing in our hearts and lives. And we love you, Lord, because you are God. And that you have come so that each one of us that are here today can have a relationship, a give and take conversation, relationship with you. That's possible. That happens. It does happen. <clears throat> but we need to trust in you fully. We need to come to you with empty hands and ask, Lord, for you to bless in such a great way. And Lord, you are the one that, that, that just overtakes us. We need to understand that we understand that, that this is not easy. It doesn't happen very easy that giving up everything to put our trust in you that, that we don't see, but we know you're there because we feel in our hearts that you are. That's a big step. But I pray for each one that's here today and each one that we meet, Lord, that can come to you and know that you give back to us far more far more than we're turning over to you. It's a great deal. It's a great deal. We love you, Lord, and we ask for your blessing on our fellowship, and we pray right now for the food. And we ask, Lord, that you would be with our, our, our conversations and our fellowship the rest of this day, that, Lord, you, you are in control. And as we come back tomorrow night, for prayer, Lord, we, we just pray that you would be with us each step of the way as we go. We love you. Bless this food that we're about to eat. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now we'll just open those doors and everybody goes this way. And once you get there, we'll tell you what to do next.